0: I sincerely apologize for uh, the my absence the last two weeks. Uh, I always want to be able to do a podcast uh, for you guys every single week. And to be honest with you, I just fucked it. I had um, booked a guest for one week when I was there, and I was hoping that I would just discover someone when I was over there that I could talk to. And then the one guest fell apart, and I spent my whole time in America uh, hanging out with my family and doing comedy, and I sort of honestly just fucking abandoned you. That's what it feels like a little bit. So I am really sorry about that. I um, I don't know. I, I I know it's my own like rules that I set for myself that I want to do a podcast every week, but I really do, and I, I do struggle a little bit to find a guest that I want to talk to that I feel like is going to be meaningful and valuable to you guys. And I don't also want to just phone in an hour of me rambling into the microphone for no reason. So when I do these podcasts on my own, I'd rather kind of have something actually to say. And lately, because I've been focusing so much on doing uh, comedy and traveling, I haven't had enough time to actually sit down and conceive of an idea that I want to tell you guys. So uh sounds like a lot of rambling excuses, and I'm sorry um but I am super excited about this podcast today, so we came back with a fucking bang all right um this guy his name is Oliver Twist, and he is a comedian from uh Sydney he's up here at the moment doing uh, the based comedy shows around the Gold Coast and also has a show at the Briz Funny Fest next week on Thursday, the 21st of August at Hey Ya Bar in Brisbane. So um, if you would like to see his comedy, please absolutely do, do go and see it. I saw Oliver perform last year at the Gold Coast Laughs Festival and I thought he was super funny and he just possessed a totally different uh, vibe about him. Obviously it turns out he's lived a fucking crazy life and that probably has contributed to this, uh, cool other nature self of him. And for his age, he definitely possesses age or years well be- beyond his age. Um, and you'll get to know why obviously, because, uh, he grew up in a refugee camp in malawi and he talks a lot about this during this episode to be honest with you i feel like i could have talked to oliver for five hours about this shit and i would have really liked to get into more uh details about his life but um this is the first time that i actually got to properly sit down and chat with him and so oliver next time you're back here i would love to talk to you more about this Uh, If you guys have any questions about what we talk about or anything else, please do send them through, as always, and I'll forward them on to you. for you. Uh, He doesn't have any social media stuff, so there's not really any need for you to follow him except for to go out there and see his comedy. As always, if you would like to support this podcast, you can at patreon.com slash Lorna Bremner. You can also just like my dumb social media stuff because that helps me I don't know become validated in the eyes of other people (laughs) and uh yeah please do enjoy this conversation with the wonderful and impressive and interesting and lovely Oliver Twist
1: No, me like me and my family, it's like cold and, you know, hot. It's very opposite, very polar opposites. I am like very fun and outgoing and they like to... They've never left Queensland. They've been here for as long as I have, which is like five years, but they've never left Queensland. Wow. Yeah, they've never... And I've been to almost each state in Australia ever since I got here.
0: And they moved to Ipswich?
1: They did. From Well, no, they didn't. Well, the whole thing is that when you do... Uh, end up with the resettlement is that, you know, after you're living in a refugee camp, they they pick where you get to live. Ah. So you, you, you'd be like, hey, here's my case. I'm in danger because of this, this and this and that. Where can you put me? And they'll put that case through countries, uh, America, Canada, all those countries. And the first country that we applied to was Canada. And I was like, fuck yeah, Canada, I've heard nothing but good things about Canadians. They're lovely. We're Mm. easily going to get in, And the rejection letter came in like two weeks later. And I was like, no. Fuck them. And my sister was really looking forward to it because she loves um, snow and all that stuff. But there isn't here. So, and then about two years later after the Canada incident, uh, Australia accepted our case. So, it's called resettlement. So, they resettle you. And for about a year, they give you a house, give you a couple of finances to start with, and then you can start like living as uh, wow a, a normal member of society in that country.
0: Okay, and you yeah. have a full visa to do work, study. You have a full
1: visa, you have a permanent visa. Depends on which case. There's different subclasses of visa. Depends on what threat you're actually running away from. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, I... At at least you will get full working rights on a humanitarian visa. Right. Yeah.
0: Fuck, that's crazy. Was the letter super polite from Canada? They were like, it was,
1: it was, it was or... polite. You know, it was the pettiest thing in the world. <laughs> it was, um, it was because of a language problem, which sucks. What? Be- yeah, there was. So you do interviews and you have to re retell the story. Which So I was born in 96, so that's after the Rwandan genocide. I was born in Rwanda, and my family read that, and there's a lot of information that were involved in that. So to retell that, to make a case every now and then, I can imagine for my father, would have been traumatizing. Oh, my God. So they kept doing that every now and then. And at one point, he confused, because the English language is very, like, that, sometimes binary, sometimes very dynamic, they can be... One word and it means different, different, multiple yeah. things. He said uh, a guard instead of uh, a bodyguard or something like that. Some it was meant to be a security guard. He said something else, and then that was a point of contention. And oh
0: my god, that's
1: it. We lost the case. That's as far as I know. I think there were other things, but mainly language stuff because you go in there. There's, um, because my dad at the time didn't speak English. I did barely, roughly, but I wasn't allowed in the interview because I was underage at the time. Um, he would have uh, someone interpreting what he's saying. So that, and then he would have to translate. And the tricky part is that if you're in the camp, right? So imagine you're in the refugee camp. Everyone like is trying to get their case all the way out there. If they find some local dude to interplay you, you can bribe that dude and he can say some crazy shit and then <laughs> your case goes down. That's fucked up.
0: Oh, that and is that's, fucked up. Oh, yeah, up.
1: it's like some fucked up shit. And there was a lot of that. And I was like, God damn it, who paid him? You can, cl- you can pay someone off. If you have the money, your case can go up. Like corruption oh is really, really bad in Malawi. So we we're living in Dalek refugee camp in Malawi
0: oh for like 14 God.
1: years in and out. Yeah, so I was born 96, and then in year 2000, fled to Malawi.
0: Fuck, so you only had four years in Rwanda before you...
1: Yeah, I had four years in Rwanda. Barely really remember anything from that time period. Uh, my sister had two, so I have three sisters. Uh, one of them was born in Rwanda, and the two were born in Malawi. In so, the refugee camp? Uh, yes, in and out.
0: Yeah, wow. And so what... Um- it's because the Rwandan shit, all of that. It's too, it's tribal, right? There, it was a genocide.
1: It is it is tribal, but um, <clears throat> anyone with um, with gumption and focus can look into it and see that it was more than that. It was political, mainly because the Belgians and the Germany uh, government were involved in supplying firearms oh, yeah. to uh, facilitate the genocide for political reasons that we see today. It's one of those things where. You're like, how did that country, the whole country just become manual labor for United States or China? It's because they, you demolish the entire country to a point where you can use them purely as labor, as they have nothing. And then in the near future, they can just, you know, capitalize on that. It's very, it's very capitalistic. That's as far as I can see it. But there's more, more to it. But um, it was tribal in that way. It was involved between the Hutus and the Tutsi. So those are the main two ethnic groups in Rwanda. And then there's the, another one, which is smaller. It's called the Twa, And the Hutus were the majority at the time. And they were like, oh, we've got to get rid of the other people because we don't want them. And like that's a, that's a normal fear thing. Like if you move to a town and you see like there's more people of them than you, they would want to get rid of you just to feel comfortable. Mm. It's one of those things. So the Tutsis were mainly moving into Rwanda uh, uh, at the beginning of the the 1900s, and then it was always a friction. Like, that was the main... The 1994 genocide was the main conflict that everybody saw, but there was, like, mass atrocities before that that involved years and years, Uh, but not to the extremity that the 1994 was... Um, but yeah, and the thing is that in 1994, it it was that and the president being because the plane of uh, that the president was in was shot down, and people thought it was a rebel, and then they were like, "Oh, okay, we start fighting now." Yeah, yeah. And that was the whole thing.
0: Fuck, man, yeah. that yeah. is an insane way to grow up.
1: It is. It is. It is very <laughs> insane to grow up. And until recently, I I'm telling you right now, I was not comfortable talking about it because my head couldn't wrap around I the bet. entire thing they, I really couldn't I was like how the fuck does and, and to add it all up is uh, I'm Hutu so that's one of the groups that killed the one million other people Jesus now part of it was that how if, dare you <laughs> 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 it's a trap okay? yeah. <laughs> I just load you in, in <laughs> no, uh part of the thing is that if you were Hutu and you didn't want to kill anybody like my father did, they would kill you. So he was in danger of being oh. the enemy of the enemy and so he had to go away. He had to right Jesus. Run. Man. Yeah, so like it was it was it was one of those things where, like if you're not on board you looked as a cast out. You know, yeah. it's it happens in all like social groups. You know, if we yeah, don't yeah. like you, we're gonna be mean to you. But in this case, you know, it's a life or death situation.
0: Damn. So
1: yeah, he had to ski out or other that. Fuck, and,
0: that, <laughs> to, and so like, that i mean, that's his it. entire childhood. That's where he grew up. That's his shit. That's why he of grew it up. Just fucking turns on you.
1: Yeah, every, everything turns on you. And like, I am told from memory, from what my mother told me that he was very, actually, very successful. My dad was quite a successful businessman. Even after that, but before then, he had like, he had he had a house. He had all these cars, and like in a second. <laughs> It all disappeared, and he had like four other kids that he had to feed wow i can like i can't I can barely imagine what he was going through, but um he managed to get us across the border. We traveled on the bus and bought to get to Malawi, which took a couple of days, and we were living there, we got asylum there,
0: yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, fucking good on him for making the right choice. Yeah, that very, would have been a very, very good on him. One. Very
1: good on him. The only thing is that <laughs> because it happened between so the genocide was 1994, and I was born in 1996, but we fled in 1990. Uh, we fled in 2000, right? And my only thing is that <laughs> because I was like, that, how like I, I was like how. What was happening between then? I was like, oh, we were, we were trying to hide. We were trying to hide because they were still looking for us. And I was like, if you had me, if you're, like, fucking while you're hiding, <laughs> you're not hiding enough. Like, that is... I don't want to be yeah. a baby conceived out of science sex. I want, like, all the loud noises. I want the best sex to be happening while I'm being conceived. A shame. Yeah, like, it's, I was like... <laughs> You're not hiding enough. Like that, I don't care if you're like nah, Oh, I'm man, just hiding what do you
0: think about it, I actually this is like one of the things that I'm trying to work on as a joke. It's like that I, I actually think that there is no greater aphrodisiac than impending death
1: because like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's what
0: happens to people they just like want to start fucking all the time
1: <laughs> that's true
0: it's true
1: didn't like the number of human beings exponentially growth after world war 2 I think oh, that's man. probably why that's probably why oh yeah you're like oh my god I gotta replicate myself yeah um, like
0: it's it's in your bones to replicate yeah, because you know yeah. that there's a possibility of something and also I think it feels good or better oh yeah like for at least you get like a three. Minute escape
1: from your tortured existence. Three a minute Just a quickie Yeah,
0: or whatever.
1: You know, uh, that's
0: the kind of sex that I like.
1: <laughs> One where there's bombs outside.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, at least your parents loved each other. They were really getting after it.
1: And they were made um, other kids. Too, I don't. You know? I don't know. If it feels love um, or security or anything. Um, but they did care enough, which is good. You know, I like to differentiate between care and love. So they cared a lot for all of us. That? What do you mean differentiate
0: between care and
1: love? I mean, I can, there's a, there's a lot of things that you do out of necessity and that can, the care can be involved in that. Yeah. If you really care for something, necessity can come in practice then, but yeah. not not so much for love. I don't think so anyway. Mm. Yeah. It has to be a responsibility. And it's hard to be responsible while all that things are happening. Yeah. You do a lot yeah. of things out of necessity. So.
0: I wonder, though, there is something about human nature that I think is pretty impressive. And, and it's a lot that nobody... Well, we, it's not f- fantasy and it's not something we talk about much because it's cooler to talk about the torments and tortures and horror of a human being. But when shit's going terribly, terribly wrong, human beings do have a tendency to figure out how to be better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you're forced in shit situations, but that that is kind of a fucking crazy idea. Like, what is it that made that? Like, how can you take an entire country of people and just be like, no, we're doing this now. Like, we're just killing people now. That's the plan.
1: It's very, it's very, um, <laughs> it's very evil. Mm. It's very evil. It sounds when you, when you look at it and then, and, and there's not a lot of people that conscientiously out of their way, like you know look at it because it's something that so I wrote an entire play about it and it's like it's something that I was like this is gonna be in your face so I I do comedy you know I'm I'm a comedian I've been doing comedy for five years but I was like yeah there's something in comedy that lacks the thing where you have to really face it because you have to let the air out. you build the tension let the air out and um the the whole play is that it's it's all air this is like now you have to face it but there's it's really it's really maddening it's really crazy to look at it and be like oh how did this entire thing happen and in a month not less like that the the fact that it only that took a month it only took a month for like 100 like more than 100,000 people to die close to a million yeah. it was between 900 to Nine hundred thousand to one million people in a month, and like everyone, and you would, and it's nineteen ninety four. You know, it's not like uh, there's like nine eleven that's overshadowing everything and anything. That was the main thing as far as the world was concerned. That was happening every day. You would see, oh, another thousand people died. You know, it's like this. There were bodies piling up, and people. And they were
0: putting people in stadiums, right? they were, like, just walking people into stadiums and exterminating.
1: Mainly churches. Churches okay. was the big thing. I don't know about stadium. I really haven't looked into that. But church, a lot of people would hide into the churches, so they would go straight in there. And the, what would happen is that there would be missionaries from France, missionaries from the U.K., and they would be in cahoots with the Germany government and the Belgium government in such a way that the priest who would be the missionary would – capture all those people in the name of safety and peace, come through, you'll be safe here. And then they would call the oh malicious and then to come. And one that's day one pass of through and kill scariest, them. Like the
0: scariest, like the scariest thoughts to me is that you think one reality is happening and an alternate reality is happening. I think that is like one of my, anytime I get right. panic or like that sensation of like, uh, like when I feel like the most ache, for the human existence. And the sh- this just the shame of human existence is when right. you think something's happening and then it's not that. And yeah. other people know that that's what's happening and yeah. you don't know. And then yeah. that moment when you realize that you've been lied to or misled, oh, fuck. Like that is so hard to watch. And especially, obviously, if it fucking ends in murder, that's so gnarly.
1: Yeah, it's it's really, it's... Uh, and my, my big problem is that I fear you, like when you realize you lied... But it's that there's so many things that are masking the truth, not like Mm. in a in a propaganda way or like in a conspiracy way. That it's just every entertainment, for instance, like Mm, that's mm. like everyone. What's happening right now with um, uh, Bill Cosby and uh, Michael Jackson is that everyone, like all that in our carry, all that was out ten years ago. Like, that information was out there 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But people now, it's sort of, like, masked into this whole movement thing. Now they start to paying attention. And it feels a little late on, like, on the practical side of, like, what can we do about it? Right. Now it's, like, you know about it. I mean, the genocide happened in 94. But there's still some other shit happening constantly right now. It's just that, you know, you get in the, you, everyone has a life. I understand everyone has a life to like, hey, I have to live my life. I have my kids. This mm-hmm. this, this is my house. This is my problems. Everything that happens in this house is my problem. What happens outside, I don't really mind. But it would help if people had that awareness of what's happening outside them. But more than that, to really go out of their way to find that awareness. Because it, it it's not always going to be brought up in front of you. You know what I mean? Right. It's not. There's not always going to be that one person who actually survived the genocide and came out of the refugee camp and then became a comedian. And then he can (laughs) translate that in a form that you actually understand. Right. There's like one in a million,
0: literally one in a
1: million. (laughs) And here I am. But, you know, the idea is to have your own drive. Right. To really pursue that kind of curiosity of like, what's going on? Like what's beyond, what's underneath? I want to see what's the subversive message in this.
0: Well, do you know what I think possibly my only kind of explanation for why human beings tend to do this shit and it's probably a relatively obvious observation but it's that it's so much easier in hindsight to make a decision about what you what was wrong. Do you know what right. I mean like, "Oh, that's wrong." But at that right at that moment, it means if you take a stance on something, like if you find out about Bill Cosby right. and take a stance on it, you have to Say something. You have to fucking do
1: something. Yeah, yeah. And really check it.
0: Yeah, you have to actually like be like, "Hey, this needs to stop." And then what comes with that is a shit ton of responsibility and probably a difficult life. Yeah. But for now, I can look back and be like, "Ew, Bill Cosby was a creep." And it's like, (laughs) "All right, why didn't you do that when you knew about it ten years ago?" And this is the whole problem, and that. and it's, it's frustrating that it takes a movement of some kind. and Because the, the other problem is, is that within movements like this as well, you get swept up a whole bunch of fucking nonsensical bullshit too. Right, right. People that are crying wolf, essentially, because they just want to be a part of something. Yeah. You know? And that's it, the crazy thing about human beings that we're these crazy herd animals that on some ways put into dangerous situations, you can come out stronger and better and unify or you start a fucking genocide or you turn the other cheek you know right, that you right. look away when bad shit's happening.
1: Yeah, it's
0: it's this like weird social pressure.
1: It is weird social pressure and a huge part of that it's because of, you know, skin in the game. Yeah. By that I mean you you have a vested interest in the other half of the problem. Right. You know what I mean? Like that not, not even by own choice, it's just by default you really in, you You find yourself part of the problem, so you can 't really shy away from the problem without the benefits that you 're reaping from the problem
0: right you know what Fuck, i mean yeah. yeah there's
1: always this thing where like you know even like when you 're like, okay, we need equality in all all these platforms, and you'd realize oh i 'm the system that i 'm trying to protest benefits me in a huge capacity, mm. so i can 't protest it now, but if some people if a group, because I'm invested, you more than the the group fear, what really is damaging is individual fear. So you're always fearful of what it could do to you mm-hmm. first, yeah. more than the entire group. So if the entire group put their money on the fire, you're like, oh, I, then I can do it. Yes. But you really won't feel compelled. But there's always those people that really feel compelled to go out of their way to do that. And we got to... We have to aspire to that. I can't say we have to be that. At least aspire to that. And then we can be, we, we can inchly get closer as a society maybe mm-hmm. to really living the life where we check a problem when we see it. Otherwise, the problem goes on and then it grows and it grows yeah. because you had vested interest in yeah. something that the problem brought you.
0: Well, and it just kind of resurfaces, right? Like, because like, that's pretty fucking crazy to hear that the German government is invested in this situation where they just got out of a situation where they were fucking doing the same thing you know what I mean like yeah Like, all right, you'd learned your lesson, Germany, right? Like, crawl away in shame with your tail between your legs and then just do it in another country. Like, that's so funny. In a
1: way, they they were genius about it. Oh, God. They were genius about it because they uh, employed the Belgium government to do it. The Belgium government, way, way much.
0: We're too hot, right? We're
1: too hot right now. (laughs) But you do it. And then I, (laughs) I have this joke about saying that. The Germ, Belgiums are poor man's Germany in the way right. that the flag is literally like the upside version flag of <laughs> the German flag, and they couldn't pull it off. They did one million people. They killed one million people in Rwanda. The you know the Germans did five million. Yeah, and I was like, they couldn't. You know, if you're gonna do it, do yeah, it do right. It probably, do it like right. That. That's an You know, do it properly. Effort. It's very embarrassing uh, for them. <laughs> yeah. Not even for me. For them. But yeah, they, they were involved. It's hard to be like, and it's one of those things where, um, you know, where what's the concept, the concept of like energy is never destroyed, just, you know, just moves into a different form, you know, um, it's like things never really disappear. They just travel into a different thing. So in a, in a different capacity, we looked at the uh, coming out of world war one and two, we looked at like, Oh, that was horrible. And the UN established, you know, the mm-hmm. refugee agency saying we have to stop this. There's an international law saying these are the human rights that people have to adhere to everywhere and anywhere they go. Mm. But then coming out of 2000 after 9-11 and all these uh, on the war on, on, Muslim, on Muslims and immigrants and all that is that we saw a mass accumulation of people that were refugees that their rights had taken away from them. There's like 70 million people right now that are refugees. 70 million people. That's a, That's like two countries. That's like yeah. three countries where people Yeah, what, don't New have,
0: Zealand's population is 4 million? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's
1: like, that's South Africa, that's Australia, that's New Zealand combined, and that's like 50. And then there's another 20 that you could pick more, like three other countries that you could put in together just to fit that population. Wow. And the problem is that there's a... There's a bunch of kids and people that, that are stateless that, if they go anywhere and everywhere, they can't do anything they can't work, they can't establish themselves as a as a human being like I, I have an identity, this is where I belong, this is where i'm from. they can't tell you that it's almost that limbo thing that people talk about when you die and then there's mm. a limbo before you go to heaven it's very dangerous because you have no identity, you have no belonging in a way, and mm. that's the most that's the worst thing in in Today's capitalistic world, where people are defined by who they are, where they're from, and then that will you get you you get your privileges from. It. Everyone knows, you know, if you're from a different country, if you have a certain nationality, you get certain privileges. And these people, which is like seventy million people, have nothing whatsoever.
0: Fuck, man.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, right? It really is. It really is crazy. And the idea of like that started slowly and it's sort of accumulated and people are just watching it that's what really is crazy to me mm-hmm. and the thing is that we have we have all the money and the resources to really make the problem go away you know it's one of those things where like if everyone paid attention and if everyone was ready to give up you know all these things that we really are using right now we could make this all these problems go away like you know what i mean but it's like you have vested interest in it
0: what do you think Is the solution like what do you think? I mean, obviously, there's not. You're not going to just come up with a solution right now. But what do you mean by, like, certain things that we'd have to give away to fix that? Because there is money. Like, I was actually just talking to a friend about this today. This very concept of talking about Mexico and America, because I just been over there personally, seeing it, listening to people's stories. It's just fucking crazy. Yeah, it's bullshit. It is. And and he was kind of like, oh, well, yeah. Maybe it's exaggerated. Is it possible you're getting this flood of people that are um, like not, you know, they're not being watched by the government. They're not, they're not actually, they are not part of the system. So they're not contributing to the system. Is it going to be a black hole for the um, whole country if people are just sending money back to Mexico, whatever. And it's like, that's not the problem. The problem right, is right. that we have a place right. that has a shitload of wealth and opportunity uh-huh. well, or the appearance thereof because right. Americans right now are not doing that great. Right, right, right. But and then next to a war-torn country that has been fucked for many many years. Yeah. So it's a natural process. This is yeah. what happens. So if and the the fact that you draw a line there doesn't solve that problem. No. Putting a wall there doesn't solve that problem. No. no none of no hard borders have ever worked in the history of our time. Yeah. As soon as you put a wall up, someone's going to try and break through it because they want what's on the other side of that wall. Not only
1: that, but they need it.
0: Right. (coughs) Especially at this point, they need it. So what the problem is, is not that we have immigration. The problem is why the fuck do we have immigration?
1: It is, um, um, how how do I put this? It benefits benefits, uh, a capitalistic economy. Mm -hmm. In that way, by that, I mean, up until recently, the economy was in, you know, cars, fuel, oil, money was in oil. Mm. Now it's the digital economy. Right. But what we find ourselves in, we have all the tools, but then there's always that element of like, do you need that? Because all this stuff is like luxurious. I have like every every year Apple releases the new iPhone. Right. (laughs) And everyone is inclined to get one knowingly no. Know, they know in their own mind, they know deep down that it's not exponentially different. Right. It really isn't. But it is 10 times or even like more than the previous price point. You know what I mean? So if you could save that money, yeah. you could give it to a war-torn country that you put them in that place so they can elevate their game to the iPhone 5. Right. That's let's let's <laughs> elevate them to the iPhone. 5. You have the iPhone ten. They can have the iPhone five.
0: Yeah. Just just, just a, a little old, bit. Old yeah. Why I'm are they not.
1: using Nokia? Why are they using? That's like the and the idea is that if if you keep them in that place, the economy strives like that. Because no one in America is willing to produce and manufacture those products, mm-hmm. but in the war torn countries, because they have nothing, they Don't will put it. themselves in jeopardy even their lives in jeopardy to go manufacture those. And so the economy is in this weird dependency thing where if someone is winning, clearly someone is losing. Yeah. And it clearly doesn't have to be that way because there's excess of opportunities, there's excess of resources where we're like, if we could turn it down on the idea of wanting something more than you needed, yeah. and then I feel like, and that's like an old Eastern philosophy idea of having to be happy with the things that you do have mm. so you can move forward and everyone else can have, you can share. It's sort of like a shared economy. Yeah. And then maybe we can get an inch closer into eradicating the problem.
0: Well, in some, the counter-argument oftentimes to that kind of idea, I mean, besides the obvious where people just go, ah, fucking communist, <laughs> and it's like, no, it's much more like a socialist type of idea, and I don't right. think there's anything really wrong with it in its foundations, but that one, people, one thing that people often say is that there's going to be no innovation,
1: right. that if
0: there's no competition, there's less innovation, which right. is fucking stupid, because when you think about it, if you have 70 million people that right. are identityless jobless, and these are all very capable human beings, right? Right. That could have an education, that could have experimentation. They could be thinking about problems in different ways because they come from different areas and different experiences in life. Like, the only way to solve a problem dynamically is to have a bunch of different fucking people thinking about the same problem, right? Right, right, right. So imagine if you had 70 million people plus 20 other million people working actively towards Uh innovation because they had time, space, and energy and resources to live. Right, right. We live in a totally different world. For sure. But, and what I never understand is that, like, these things seem relatively obvious to us. Right, Because it's like, why why the fuck are we not doing this? But that's my, that always is what it comes back to me. And people always are just like, oh, it's just greed. People are just (laughs) greedy. And I'm like, but can it just be that? Like, this seems... It's
1: not just greedy and, like...
0: (laughs) It seems, like, you can't, it's not just that the top 1% of people want to have more money. Right. It can't just be that because that seems stupid.
1: Right, right, right. It seems very banal. It seems very, um, simple.
0: Yes. And like, how are they coordinating all this effort to maintain this? Yeah. Like, that's what I just don't, I can't understand why it's so hard to change it.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to change something that's been in, in, in practice or like in action for years and years for like mm. thousands of years. Yeah. And, and I- like in in many ways um I don't adhere to any subclass of like political agenda or whatsoever. In many ways capitalism is the best thing we have. It is it is like one of the best systems we could ever really developed, but it was in many ways founded on very bad inhumane scenarios, mm. you know, mm. all the way back to Egypt. You know, like yeah. everyone that built all those pyramids say, oh man, it really, it was the most successful system of economy of their time. I mean, look who built it. Everyone was like, felt like a slave and their mm. kids were dying and all this stuff. And it's it's not different to back to slavery. It's not different back to the prison economy of how Australia was founded upon. Mm. It's It's like very it's you can see it but then you're like oh well and then it because it builds up it's one of those things where you're like it's hard to get out of it's really right. hard to get out of and but I, we can we can reestablish the things that are meaningful to the system and still keep it intact it doesn't have to go away entirely
0: right and i i think that's like a really key important point in this conversation because people often are like well, it's the best thing we got. So fucking, why do you want to ruin it? And it's right, like, right. Yeah, it might be right now the best we've got. It doesn't mean it's the best. Yeah, it doesn't mean that there isn't a better way to do shit. Yeah,
1: it's not like a it's not like a, a zero sum game. It's not an uh, it's not an exactitude thing where it has to go away if, if we're gonna try something different. You can work around it and still the essence of what it is still stay intact. Mm.
0: Or and in many ways, that we like about it. Yeah, yeah the like, shit that weird. we
1: like about it, which is you know great you know like i love innovation i love like competition but you know put like a a, an equal level playing field where everyone can compete
0: Mm, mm. yeah because when you start already with resources you kind of and that is the problem i think also like it's interesting it doesn't it really isn't that surprising i suppose that it's hard to change because you only have to look at yourself and realize how hard it is to change your own that's the thing
1: that really is the thing you have to... The, if, if there is a solution, it is in the individual. Mm. Because that's it's, it's for the people. The system is meant to work for the people. Mm. And if the people are being lied to, either they believe the system is great when yeah. it isn't, which is in many ways what it is right now, and they can't see it or they're so involved in it that they won't really know how to, which in many ways have... Most people right now are feeling that way. They're looking at the problems like, oh, my God, I didn't know this was happening. Mm. There's like this mass awareness of like how the problem relates to you and how you relate to the problem. They were like, oh, I didn't know all this stuff was going on. They didn't know this was going on. They didn't know this was going on. And there's like that yeah. forced awareness now, which is great. That's part of, <clears throat> that's the first step to like really looking at it and saying, okay, what do we do now? Mm. So from now on till whatever the projections, future keep you know, putting out there like, hey, we should really figure this shit out. So it really takes you as an individual to say, what do I care about? Yeah. You know, what do I, do I care? And it goes from you, it goes to your Closed ones, your relatives, your friends, and then you expand. You start locally and then you expand.
0: Yeah, well, and it is. And I think it is also <clears> a matter of uh, understanding that it's pieces at a time. Like, because if if I try to say like this happens to a lot of people that we experience, obviously at the gym where people are thirty kilos overweight and right. they're like, I need to be skinnier. Like, the doctor told me I need to lose weight or whatever. So we're like, yeah, we'll help you, and then it it'll take a year for much, maybe six months of really hard work to really start to notice major changes. And you have to have the patience to realize that like one kilo at a time, one little bit of muscle, one little extra bit of flexibility. Those are all steps on the path to making a a major change. Significant change doesn't happen overnight because you have to build a foundation for it. And, like with my own self, I i mean, it's so easy to get really frustrated at yourself when you have, like you have an awakening conversation or you watch a documentary about something and you go, fuck, I don't need to participate in that. I didn't realize that this right. is what's going on and I right, need to right. change. And then it gets too hard. It's the, either the other option's easier or it's like, fuck, I can't do it today. I'm going to have to just do that little thing. Like me drinking again, like that is such a funny thing. Like I was su- it was a hundred percent pure... Like this is something I will never do. Right. It contributes in no positive way to my life whatsoever. Right.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: And then I didn't want that to be a thing that hung over me. So I was like, "All right, I need to be able. I need to be able to be fluid and make and be responsible for my own decisions and and live with them and experience and experience my own life." Because I think. In the same way that drinking had become an identity for me, not drinking had also become an identity for
1: me. Right, right, like, right.
0: And I think we all have this susceptibility to like need to belong to a team, need to be, I need to stand for something. I need right, this. right, right, right. And any time that that becomes a form of your identity rather than something that's actually working for you right, or something that you believe in or whatever, then it's a totally different story.
1: Right. So did, did you find a sweet spot of not drinking self and your drinking self? Is there a sweet spot that you think you could exist in?
0: Yeah, I think so. Well, in my original experiments with it, I think I, I, I certainly now when I'm (laughs) drinking, don't feel at all the way that I used to feel about it. Right. I don't have the desire to continue to drink first of all, which is really good. And I, I like the sensation of being able to but one thing that I've really missed, and I noticed this last night, was I have had a really hard time laughing hard at stuff for the last I don't know how long.
1: Oh really? <laughs> yeah.
0: And that's a fucking crazy thing. Like, you know the kind of like laughing that you like you feel mental. Right. Because right. you're just having such a good time yeah. you can't even handle yeah. it. yeah. Like, the main thing that I noticed about me when I was sober was that I felt rigid.
1: Right. 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 Like always very uptight.
0: Yes. And yeah. just always in control of everything all the time and always needed to be in control. And I noticed that as soon as I started drinking again, um, I did it very slowly because I was nervous about it. I didn't know how I was going to be. And I ended up being fine. And I pretty much after two drinks, I would always stop. I couldn't really bring myself to do anymore. Right. And, um, But the nice little thing that I noticed about it is that this weird rigidity started kind of wearing away on me. And I remembered what it's like to, like, it's okay if I say something stupid or be silly. As long as I'm not harming somebody else or myself or causing myself shame, there's no reason. Like, I don't need to constantly be in control. Right. And I think that is probably the nicest revelation that I've had out of the whole thing. But today was the first time I've ever been hungover in three and a half years. And I went, oh, fuck. All right. You got to like, put a right, lid on right, that. Right, like, right, How did I get to that point where...
1: Because
0: yeah. I've been so like aware of where I'm at and knowing like, oh, cool, this feels good. And that's as far as I need to take it. I'm all good. But yeah. last night something happened where I just... Was drinking cheap beer, right? Too much,
1: I'm like two hours <laughs> straight.
0: Yeah, I was like, "Hey, wait a second now! Now I remember why I don't do this." You
1: shit. know, that's the that's great thing about capitalism that um, you know, the, <laughs> you can go you you can go up quality. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the the fucked up thing is that if you really wanna help yourself, if you really wanna improve yourself, you can go up quality. So when you spend more on the drinking, you feel like you're spending more. So you don't spend more on it. Uh-huh. But the drink is expensive, so it limits how much you drink it. Yeah. But if you if you're poor, then like that so there's there's a level <laughs> yeah, that's there's a good point. <laughs> it's it's like a self regulating like, yeah, yeah, machine. It's a, a self regulating <laughs> machine, is that um there's there's room for improvement if you can afford it. Yeah. And that's great. That's great. But everyone should be able to afford right. it. Right. That's yeah. the thing. That everyone, not to the extent, but everyone should have that legal playing field, so to say. Like everyone should have the eco play ground. They should have the playbook. They should have the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. And then those that are better at it, by meritocracy, should play better and get better benefits out of it. Right. That's the idea. That's well, how how do we should, protect
0: like, ourselves from a slow creep into another shitty situation that we're in
1: that's that's very you get a lot of a lot of that comes for from discipline for me anyway i mm-hmm. because i I have an issue with that being in control wanting to be in control of a situation anyone who <laughs> knows me personally knows for <laughs> obvious reasons that I'm not going to get into, but I do have the thing of like if i'm out and I'm like, oh man, I feel like I should be in control. I should not drink. So I, I drink, but regularly, not often, not very often. Mm-hmm. I've probably in total had like 30 drinks in total ever, ever. Mm. But the thing is that you have to find that um, it's everything is good in moderation, yeah. you know? And you have to find that equal balance. And, and I won't drink until I've gone, my work's done. Like if I yeah, have yeah. work, I know there's work to be done. And that's the responsible part of myself. I would drink if I know that if I do get drunk and something happens, everything else will be smooth, if that makes sense. So I won't get to the point where if I do drink and I go out of my conscious self, which does happen, you know, it's alcohol after all, that everything else that I was working on that was conscious will stay intact. That will be fine. Yeah. So like I would drink if I know I've I've gotten my work done and then I can move on and someone can pick up from that even if I can't. Yeah. So it's sort of like looking at the end of the line of like yeah. If like I what's get, I do overall. get yeah, yeah what's 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 going to happen if if anything goes wrong.
0: Mm.
1: So it's an iffy situation, but it's it's a lot of discipline and like I won't, like I would drink like when it's very eventful. I'll drink like once a month every now and then. Yeah. But yeah. Not not a big drink. And I also won't drink when I'm working. And by that, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a comedian. So when you go out to do shows, there's always alcohol there. I won't yeah. drink before I go on stage.
0: Yeah, I don't like drinking before. I've, I had one beer one time before I did one set and I just felt um, like I didn't feel connected to my brain. I, right. felt, yeah, I just felt like the words weren't That's coming the thing. out of me yeah. naturally. I, I was like, weird. no,
1: no, it's not me. Yeah. It doesn't sound like
0: it the doesn't. me that
1: I need to be on stage.
0: And do you know something else about it too? A, a friend of mine, uh, we've been talking a lot about the flow state. I was talking to you about it the other yeah. night. Because um, I find that it's just one of the most amazing states of being. And I think it's like the, there is nothing greater. Even yeah. getting fucking money, house, all this bullshit <laughs> that people tell you that you're supposed to make you happy. We all know it doesn't make you happy. I think the ultimate goal to be pursuing is how to consistently live in the flow state as much as you can all the time. Right. It's connected to your immediate experience of reality as much as possible. Right, so, right. It, and that takes uh, time to clear out your own psychic bullshit and drama and chaos that's inside your head, trauma that's you've lived through, whatever, and then developing a skill. But anyways, one of the key factors for getting into the flow state, you have to push yourself to a, a point of Discomfort, right? Because your body won't actually kick over into this like kind of super. It's it's like a superhuman state of being. It is. It won't kick you into it if you don't feel adrenaline beforehand. Adrenaline is like one of the key factors for doing it, and uh, it's really common for people when they get nervous to have a drink. But right, what that right. does immediately is switches off your automatic programming to go into that adrenaline state to kick yourself up into a higher notch.
1: Right, right. So
0: if you squash the nervousness or deny the nervousness or Uh, cover it mask it with a substance you'll never get to experience that feeling it's always an it's always a manufactured version of what the flow state can be
1: right true
0: so I always find that you know you definitely do tend it's it's a fine line like anything like you do I personally perform better when I'm a little bit nervous but not so nervous that I can't focus
1: right 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 that's the that's the thing when I'm performing I need focus that's Mm. and when I am and it's not saying that when I'm Drank, I'm not entirely focused, but there's something about alcohol that, you know, you won't, you know, totally in the moment. Anyone knows that, that drinks, mm. but I like to be in the moment and really feel the flow. And yeah. like, I've, I've been, it's like, it's, there's no feeling like it being in the flow state. There's no feeling like it.
0: There isn't. And
1: it's it is. very hard to get in there. And it's even harder, I would assume, to try and get in there while you're drunk.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Or it could be the opposite where If you do go, I know this from research, if you do go, you know, the extreme in terms of like psychedelic drugs and all that, you can reach that flow state, you know, either by stimulant or by naturalization. So Mm -hmm. there's that.
0: Yeah. and, And I feel like that's kind of in my crazy world opinion that psychedelic drugs kind of exist. Uh. To show us that that is possible. Okay. So it's like it's a surefire way to get you to that point where yeah. you can experience this feeling, so that when you're out of them, you can remember what that feeling feels right. like and, and remind you yourself can that that's go the back
1: thing. to it. right, right, right. Something you should I, go back to.
0: I one of my favorite things to do is like really low doses of acid. Right. Like very uh, allegedly. I
1: guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> allegedly.
0: <laughs> so super low doses to the point where. Um, you definitely feel something, but you're not tripping because I tend to feel like uh, tripping d- if it's not in the right setting, especially it's distracting, confusing, and it's hard to navigate and right. I would prefer i all of my drug use uh, weed in particular, all of them I really like to find a way to be closer to myself right right and so i I prefer the kind of <clears throat> classifications of drugs that like kind of help you explore your inner landscape and low-dose acid like that is a way of experiencing exactly that sensation. It's like being in the flow state, like that you can actually put yourself into the flow state. And one of my favorite things to do is just listen to really good music, like shut off all other sensations, go into a quiet, dark room and listen to really good music and like listen to the space between the notes of the music. Like, and it creates... Uh, It's just an an unbelievable thing because it it really, I think it tunes your focus. It gets you to such a meditative state that you are like literally creating a three-dimensional world of sound. Right,
1: right, right, right.
0: And there's something, it it sounds just wacky and bullshit to say it, but (laughs) there's something about that that makes me feel like home in a way. Like that. that it calms all the narcissistic, nonsense, bullshit, me, ego, self thing. It's all gone. Right. And I'm just a, I'm just experience.
1: For, for sure. however
0: long that lasts for, and I think that's such an amazing reminder that we need that.
1: For sure, yeah, yeah. Because in
0: that state, it's like ridiculous to think that you need to have a new car. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just so stupid. It's like, why the fuck? Why?
1: Unless the you know the voice in your head is like, you gotta get a yeah. new car. <laughs> You're a superhuman. You're go out, <laughs> go out there and get a car. You need a new car. Yeah, it's that. It, it, it takes a while for. It takes a particular. Uh, experience for someone to understand the things they need and the things they don't need, and drugs are a big part of that. I think they help. To the people that have not lived the experience, that demands you to open your eyes to everything and anything. Because after I lived in the refugee camp, there was no way I was going to come out of that sort of like um, unaware of shit that's happening around. I'm aware when someone is lying to me. I'm aware when yeah. when there's an agenda. I go into meetings with people, producers, and I'm like, I know you're full of shit. I know what you're saying to me is full of shit. Yeah. And I know that, but you don't think I know that because of the way I look and where I come from. But I know you're full of shit. Wow. So you, yeah, you
0: almost have like like an <clears throat> actual superhuman perception because you have to.
1: You you'd have to. Yeah. What that does to you is it opens your senses. The first thing it does, it it makes you grow up. So you're not a you're not a mm-hmm. child anymore. Your childhood is stolen, for better or worse, depends on how you deal with it. And you're not a child, so you have responsibilities of an adult, right? You have you have the knowledge and the wisdom of someone who's lived through things that they shouldn't have yeah. way earlier, right? and the second of all it opens you to know how to survive which is a lot of people don't know that if you come from privilege if you come that's a bad, I don't like using the word if you come from uh opportunity right mm-hmm. if you come from opportunity if you come from favor if you come from fortune it will blind you to things that demands you to find for yourself what to eat that day yeah right yeah. and a lot of people that's the reality.
0: We are we are so separated from survival.
1: It is really so are. very different. And mm-hmm. in a way, like, and I'm not saying everyone should be like that. The case I'm making is for everyone to cross over to the other side. Mm-hmm. But if you just got there by chance or lucky or because your parents did something and they never taught you how to do that, you, you become blind to it, mm-hmm. to the things that, you know, uh, obviously... Uh, wrong to the other people. But if you did, if you did grow up in that, you know, that's a big eye opener. It's so, sort of like your eye, your third eye being open to like things that are, you sort of like start seeing like, you know, oh, I care. Okay, I see your agenda here. I see what you're trying to do. Yeah, man.
0: Well, that makes perfect sense to me. I think, and they talk about that a lot like people that have lost certain senses, other things become heightened. And and you're right. I mean, like, you probably have a much closer awareness of your own experience of being because out of necessity.
1: That's the only thing I do. No. If someone was going to question me on anything outside myself, I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. But I I can claim 100% that I know myself more than anyone else could ever. And I might not at times articulate it. That the way that it comes to you, the way you've mm-hmm. always heard it, people articulate it themselves. For the longest time, I, I would I would get up on stage and I wouldn't say what I wanted to say, and I didn't know how to say it, mm. even though I knew what I wanted to say. Right? Why do
0: you think what was stopping you, do
1: you? Think it was a big part of like me being new to the comedy, and me having not processed it enough, have not lived enough with the traumatizing experience that I went through. And that's fair enough. You know, it takes years and years to learn that. It takes years to get mm-hmm. to that comfortable place. And with many people with therapy, you know, they need help. And I, for one, was grateful and lucky in that I didn't feel like I needed that and I don't feel like I do and I couldn't afford it even if I, if I felt like <laughs> I needed it. Cake. Oh, yeah. it's not, You know, no one is paying me thousands <laughs> of dollars to be at the parkwood. Carving to do yeah. comedy, killing it uh, for four people. Killing it for four people. That enjoyed it. Actually, they did. They didn't have a good time. Um, it was
0: cute that the, the I was looking at the lady that was with the guy from South Africa. Right. I just looked at her and she was enjoying herself. Yeah. And I was like, "You're gonna be okay as <laughs> long as you're enjoying what I'm kind of saying."
1: I was in that gig inchling closer to being in the flow state because that where I'm not nervous about how. Everyone is gonna think of me because I know there's six people, mm-hmm. and I'm not nervous about getting a ding to be like get off because I knew I was headlining. So yeah, I had yeah, yeah, I had complete time. freedom in in time and in what I could do, and I knew like all oh, the jokes were great. So I was I really felt comfortable doing that gig more than I mm. probably feel comfortable at other gigs, which is part. It's a big part of getting in that floor state. You gotta step in it. You gotta step on water as if you're not gonna sink.
0: Yeah, 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 man. Yeah. And as soon as you kind of start to feel like, okay, this is working, then it's nice because it creates and it's just the same thing we've been talking about. I mean, like a, a concept of a universal basic income or whatever, is just you create a little bit of security for yourself. You st- right. you land that first joke, a few people laugh, it kind of builds your confidence and you start to slide into that state of being where you're comfortable playing around and experimenting. Yeah. But if you don't have that initial anything. It's fucked. You yeah. can't just come out and start slinging weird jokes about nothing. <laughs> like you have to build that foundation. No, yeah,
1: everything and is that's, context.
0: Yeah, well yeah. and that's the idea of like if you have something originally to start with, you've got a universal basic income, you've got shelter over your head, you've got food, you can then go and try and push yourself to try and do other things. Yeah. If you don't have that, you are literally just surviving.
1: Yeah, it's real. It's very like it's very I the best way to describe it is like trivial. My friend one time was like, do you know this trivia thing? He was like, uh, do you know bears hibernate? Like, uh, I don't know, in winter or whatever, or like whenever. And I was like, no. How, why the fuck would I know that information? <laughs> How is that useful to me getting food at the end of the day? Because that's the thing. You can go, you'd be surprised. You, cause in <laughs> Yeah, in trivia, you go in there and there's like 10 people. You're like, oh, I know this, I know this, I know that, I know that. You can go in any refugee camp right now and ask them if they know if bears hibernate. They'll be like, fuck no. Yeah, who the fuck cares? Who cares? That's the thing. Do you want this magazine? Who cares? (laughs) But wouldn't that be amazing if like all these refugees were doing trivia? Like, let's get them to that place, you know, with their little iPhone 5s and they're doing (laughs) trivia. Like, that's what I want for them. You know, I want for them to be at the pub and like two years later, and it shouldn't take long That's that's yeah. the other thing Because the average life of like Someone living in a refugee camp Is um, 26 years 25-26 right? 20, years To be a refugee That's the average life And I, when I got here I was very appalled by this TV show That I sort of joke about when I get on stage About the guys um, uh, go back to where they came from uh, It's a TV show that Had all these Australians Go back to the countries that were warm torn and live as refugees there but they did it for twenty five days, and my my thing was like it takes twenty six years. You can't really learn anything in twenty five days. Yeah. But they were in that like pitch meeting and be like, "Ha, huh, uh, can we get it down to twenty six hours? Can we do twenty six <laughs> hours? Can we do twenty six <laughs> minutes?" They're like, "No, no, you have to do at least twenty six days," and which kind of like makes sense. But the thing about that is that it it creates the distance. Of like mm. you see the and that's that's a big part of the problem because you're not you're not feeling it you don't right. feel I want you to feel the problem I want it's you a caricature to caricature yeah it. it's a caricature and it's becoming more easily now to not feel the thing to to put the thing at a distance it's part of building the wall you look at the you look yeah. at, you look at another human being as the other. You know, you're objectifying them. You're really not defining them. You really don't know them, you know. Yeah, you're playing a
0: game. You're playing
1: a game. It's problematic with the way we look at women. It's problematic with the way we look at, you know, people of color because you're describing them as the other. You don't really know them. You don't really feel them. And now there's, like, virtual reality, like, Google glasses where you can look at uh, refugees in the camp. It's so funny. For, like, $25. So oh it went god. from it went from 25 minutes to $25. <laughs>
0: now you can do it from the comfort of your own home. Yeah. have a cultural life lesson. From the
1: comfort of your home, <laughs> see other people be uncomfortable in what yeah. they call their home. <laughs>
0: For $25, <laughs> these people could escape their situation, but you can sit on your couch and
1: look at them. Yeah, and look and, at them. Look at them. You life. can literally have it's it's as of this year, I saw someone do it. and I was like, "Oh god." That's They're really like, incredible. I makes
0: them so open minded. And that's like, a, just getting to experience like that
1: shouldn't this. be a thing. But like, that should not be a thing. Like, you that know what I mean? Never be that should thing. never be a thing. To be like, hey, um, imagine if the people, uh, they were like, hey, guys, we got uh, Australia has accepted our case, we're going to leave. And like, no, 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 no. Now uh, this business is invested. We got people watching you. Yeah, have yeah. To we stay actually here. need you to you stay. Ha- <laughs> and in a way, it's funny, but that's more what it is in reality. In that it, the situation becomes so invested mm-hmm. in how big corporations make money that they need you to stay in that situation.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's right now. Our system is built on haves and have-nots.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very, very, very so. And even if you had the opportunity to. I don't know if you'd get out of it but at least you should have the opportunity to yeah, yeah.
0: to make a choice yeah to yeah, make and a that's choice. the fucking that is the problem too is that it eliminates choice and I think and I, this is not even close to, an, to a to a comparison but what's happening I just just from coming back from the US now and seeing it is it is constant um, distractions. It is absolute constant conflict and distraction all right. the time, because the poor people in the U.S. are getting poorer and more fucked on right. every single day, and they right. live in very comfortable situations compared to many other people right. around the world. But there's such a level of distraction and confusion around it that there's still, but there's this intense propaganda that we live in the best country in the world, and we've got everything. we Right, got
1: everything. right, right.
0: And it's like. It is rotting out from the inside, and everyone is angry about it. Nobody knows where to direct their anger because it's just a constant confusion. Yeah, and it's terrifying. It so, has like, to be. It, it's just a how the fuck does anybody make any like gains here? You know what I mean? How are we gonna How are we gonna solve that problem? And one thing that I wanted to ask because I think this is curious to me is that if that's like so, your life experience, as far as you can remember, basically was in a refugee camp up until five years ago. Yeah. Did it, did it, it, that's your normal, right? Like that's what was normal. While you were in there, were you aware, like, this is a shitty way of living?
1: No, no. Uh, I have a joke about how in 2009, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson died and everyone on the news was like, Michael Jackson died. The big media was like, Michael Jackson died. And we heard about it in the refugee camp. What's funny is that in 2008, there was the big market crash and no one in the camp knew about it. No one knew about it.
0: Wow, really?
1: Even, I didn't even know about 9-11 until I came to Australia. Wow. No. I didn't know about it. Like but I, you knew
0: about Michael Jackson.
1: Yeah, like I found out about 9/11 when I was in a 7-Eleven buying a kebab or something, <laughs> like a like a sausage roll. Um Fuck. And it's what's funny is that you're previewed to certain information that is kind of useless, right? And the things that you're aware of for for the longest time, I didn't know anything and anything. Like I didn't know. Um, but I am in in my family. I would give my myself credit for being a very curious member of the family in that way that I was I was doing a lot of reading when I was living there. Uh, so I knew how to speak English. I knew how to communicate with other people. I knew how to be curious with other people. I knew how to engage with other people. I knew how to really get myself involved in experiences that were beyond living the refugee camp in, okay. in ways that many people couldn't, right? But that wasn't even enough for the information that one needs to really know how to navigate the world mm. in many ways that my mom and three sisters don't. And that's here? like, they're all here. Mm. They all live in Ipswich, And part of that, part of me not moving to anywhere outside here sooner was because I was the one in need, like I was the one in help. And this is the case for a lot of, and I don't mean to generalize and to speak in generalization, but this is the case for a lot of immigrants, people, is that there will be that one member in the family that has a driving license, that knows mm. how to do this, knows how to operate that and that, and they have to navigate everyone and anyone. Mm. And that's a big part of it. You don't want to lose that person. and But you got to have that person. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's a ship without a captain. Yeah, wow. In sort of way. But that's that's the least of our problems. But one of the main things is like... Yeah, you you live there, and it's like very a, a lot of things is just about survival. Mm. Like I was, you know, we're talking about how I used to sell porn <laughs> when I was living in the refugee camp, and that was purely survival mechanism. You know, I I used to bootleg music, like right. for the longest time. Like I, I I used to bootleg music, sell every like I had big hard drives. And I was well-versed in computers at the time. Um, now it's exponentially changed. <laughs> uh, like everything else, you know, <laughs> became a grandpa again. Um, <laughs> but, like, I was, I was going to this university that had free Wi-Fi. I would download all the music and I would sell it. Because internet is already available there, neither are uh, platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. Things you get for granted, mm-hmm. you think, oh, you think, oh, everyone has this. No, you can Google it and see where Spotify is readily available. You can see where Apple is readily available. They start to going inland in Africa, but for the for a lot of areas on the continent of Africa, there is really no accessibility to things like that. Wow. It would be weird if they did access Two. Yeah, Spotify. well, like,
0: because like there you are certain like, other basic needs yeah. are probably more it's important. Like,
1: dude, get get us some water. <laughs> yeah.
0: We need water and shoes right yeah. now. Like that's all we care <laughs> it's about. Like,
1: man, have you read have you heard lithium from Nirvana? Like, no. I need no, some water.
0: Fuck off.
1: Lithium is fucking amazing. Like I'm sure it is. But that's <laughs> not what I need right now. Yeah.
0: God damn.
1: <laughs> but it is it is a thing of like, because um, I you know like every other human being, I love pleasure. You know, I I I live for pleasure. You kind of want to. There's things that are pleasurable that for the longest time that are not previewed to you because you're, you know, you're in that survival mode for the mm. longest time.
0: Yeah. So there's a good market for porn then.
1: There is a good market for porn. If I if I'll tell you right, If I if I quit comedy in Australia, move back to Malawi. I would be rich. I will be fucking rich because I know where, like, oh, I know. Oh, the things that here are free, that's money there. That's money there. So, like, I would go set up a shop, you know, it becomes, like, you know, the Bunnings of, like, I got the Bunnings porn star. I'm the Bunnings of porn right now. And, and like, I, I can set up all these shops and everyone would come and buy because they can download it on the internet but now it's becoming readily available but not with the fastness because you know it's the haves and haves not. Here we have, like, we inch to having 5G. They're still, like, 3G and 2G. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can't do anything on 2G.
0: It is pretty amazing. Like, a lot of people, who travel to Indonesia or to Thailand. A lot of people from our gym go to Thailand a lot. And it's like there's better Wi-Fi, better accessibility. Right, <coughs> right. And right. these kids over there know every fucking thing that's going on about everything. Because it's in such an unusual way. Like, they, they no infrastructure there's no help yeah. but they've got the internet and they know who michael jackson is that's you know a, like that is a fucking crazy concept
1: that's that's a crazy concept and that's in a way that like um the the possibility of uh the possibility of improvement is there and i love that like mm-hmm. in, i'm like i love that everything
0: yeah that it's possible that, sh- that, that is possible the potentiality
1: which is compared to Fifty years ago, you wouldn't have this information readily available, Mm. and like we understand that. So, like, that's a big. People are like, "Oh man, uh, fuck communism, fuck socialism." That's that's a socialistic movement. Like Mm. to have information readily available, and that doesn't mean bad. You know, capitalism still strives. um, Yay to the one percenters. Um, (laughs) Me and them are grabbing coffee tomorrow night. Uh, We're doing coffee at night.
0: I feel, like, totally surreal having <laughs> to sit with producers, like, people that have so much money, and you're looking at them like you have no fucking idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, and, that, and is, the, that is so crazy. And the way they got their money is so funny to me. It's so funny to me, because they just put on a couple of shows, and it's like, all right. I. Um, but, yeah, like... It's, How did
0: you even get into comedy?
1: I Oh, so my friend who... So the way it happens is that... Uh, you, if you if you have porn, you, you have porn dealers, right? So you can, <laughs> yeah. if you're like, oh, dude, I'm missing this category. Like, I'm missing this genre. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you have the fist up genre? Um, and your friend was like, dude, I got all these new genres that are out right now. Because, you know, it's trending, What's whatever. What's
0: the
1: most popular, by the way?
0: Most I've popular never met a porn,
1: porn expert. Genre is gangbang. Gangbang. So Is
0: just multiple dudes, one girl,
1: multiple dudes, one girl, because it was mainly guys, uh, you know, surprisingly coming through the pawn shop and uh, asking me what they wanted. Um, that's a popular genre. Uh, character was a popular genre, uh, dressing up, uh-huh. uh, so kinky stuff and all that jazz. Um, that was popular. Um, but yeah, if I didn't have something that I needed, I would go to another mm. dude who had what I needed and we would share information. Yeah, Fantastic. Okay. And he happened to have um, a friend of mine who I used to make music with, uh, happened to have uh, a Trevor Noah special in his USB, right? And I played it. I was like, this is so funny. I watched it, I rewatched it. Mm. It's one of the few things I remember rewatching. Like straight, after I finished, I rewatched it. It was a a special called Crazy Normal. I think it came out in 2011. So not long before I came to Australia, actually. And I watched it. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. And then I just started watching some of his stuff. And I wasn't, like, in my head, like, I would do this. That's the thing of, like, were you, was that your life? Like, I was in the camp. I'm like, I'm not thinking about being a (laughs) stand-up comedian. I just watched it. I was like, oh, what he's doing is so cool. And he was doing, like, theatres. He filmed it at, like, Johannesburg uh, or Cape Town, and it was, like, really good-looking, and I was like, oh, that's fantastic. I really was just admiring it. I didn't think I could be able or ever get to a place where I would have the opportunity or the skill to do mm. even half of what he was doing. And then three years later, we get our case. We're coming here, and it's a whole new world. I'm like, what the fuck should I do? So there's a year of me, of uh, Australian immigration, saying you have to relearn English, go to this, do this. this do mm. You know, general things that you have to know about functioning in a in a society to make things smooth. And I did that for a year, and then I came out of it, I was like, what should I actually do? And then it hit me, like, in, in like, some gift. It just came to me, literally. I was like, oh, I should I should be a comedian. I should do stand-up comedy. And then I looked up Stand-Up Comedy Brisbane, and then I sit-down came up, the sit-down comedy club, and I emailed them, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, cool, we'll get back mm-hmm. to you. And they never go back to me for a while. Mm-hmm. So I went down to the office in Paddington, and I met Fideli. And he didn't know me. I didn't know him. I didn't know he was the guy that ran a uh, sit-down comedy club. And I was like, hey, man, I, I signed up, uh, but I haven't heard anything. If you guys have anything, please let me know. And he's like, oh, sure, cool. And then, like, when I got home, they had given me the date, mm. uh, my slot where I would call in and get spots. So, and that's how I started. Uh, Just and then doing
0: the open mics. I, yeah, first
1: on. first open mic was at uh, Newmarket Hotel on September 28th. Mm-hmm. 2015 and I went down I did my said I remember a couple of people laughing in between but not at the beginning and the end because <laughs> yeah. all I heard or like all I had looked up was like hey you have to make them laugh at the beginning and the end like those have to be bangers, yeah. and then I failed miserably at that. <laughs> but they were laughing in between, which is kind of like that's my that's what I like now. Like if if you caught me, like oh man, did you have fun? If that's because if I have a rocky start and a rocky ending, but they had fun in between,
0: yeah, that's yeah. my favorite shit. It is it is kind of fun. I've uh, like ha- having to like failing at the start. And then trying to figure out how to get them back is kind of fun. But I've never had much more than... Eight minutes to do that in, so an eight-minute time period isn't great, but still, even you still get that. Like I'll stumble over the first thing, and then you get that little middle section. you are like, right. come on, I got to get you back. But it just feels so much more redeeming. It's, by the time. it's
1: very redeeming because when you move, like in Sydney, you have like three-minute sets, and you can redeem yourself. Yeah, in three, three minutes, minutes is
0: tough. Huh? That's three
1: four minutes, and you like you're We're off. And I'm like, here. yeah, I can Like here, you have like ten minutes. I love ten. I love longer sets. Mm. Give me like an hour hour and mm-hmm. I don't even have to have any good material, but I know at least I'll be interesting. It's hard to be interesting in like, you know, yeah. on a speed day, you know, it's <laughs> like, hey. Yeah. In America, like, they give hey. you
0: their two to three minute spots and it's like, wow. fucking, what are you going to say? And, and eventually I kind of got used to it. It was like, bah, bah, bah. you just get in, get out yeah. say the thing and fuck off. Right. Right. And it, but yeah, man, like I think, yeah, ha- the longer the set and especially with somebody like you, that you've got this cool perspective to get people on board with. Because I think at first it's just like like if you were coming in there talking about selling porn in a refugee camp straight up for right. th- a three-minute set, everyone would just be like, fuck, <laughs> how do I even process all yeah. that? Like, Because there's so much meaning behind what you just said. You yeah. mean, there is so much. There's a
1: music. lot to unpack there. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. And, uh, yeah, I'm slowly getting – and. Oh, If you saw me, like, when I started doing comedy in Brisbane, I was just talking, like, pizza or whatever because I didn't know how to talk about the experiences that I've lived through. And not, like, in a way of, like, oh, man, it was so traumatizing. But no, some of it was literally crazy. Like, how do I make this funny? It just sounds like a crazy thing that happened. Mm. It just sounds like a really wild thing that happened. I can't. How do I make this funny? And I didn't know at the time, but, you know, now I'm really feeling... My form as a comedian, where I'm like, if you give me something, I can make it work. Yeah, I can turn that into. You're a very funny entertaining.
0: Thing. It's good to watch. I mean, oh, thank I you. remembered you stood out to me when I watched that, when I saw you at um, the Funny Fest, or no, not the Funny Fest, the fucking Gold, Gold Fest, Coast Comedy Festival, Fest, yeah, I was right? Like, oh shit, he's got something special. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Thank you. Um, but I just realized that we are. You gotta Wait, go. Wait, actually, yeah, go do I gotta go do, tonight. I
1: gotta go do a, a 10 minutes set.
0: And you yeah. have, um, but you've got a show at the Bridge Funny Fest this year.
1: I do. When I do. Is it? It's Thursday at the twenty-first.
0: This coming Thursday. Yes. Cool. Well, this I'm going to release this this very evening, so it's oh gonna, cool. People will s- hear about it. Oh so lovely. So how do people find you if they need to?
1: I am um, waltzing around on Elizabeth Street. In Waterloo, in Sydney. That's where I hang out. I'm not on the internet. I am on the internet, but not like on the internet. I don't know. I just got Facebook like two months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then literally everyone is getting out of Facebook. That's the whole thing.
0: It is. It's a shit show. I
1: watched that um, uh, that documentary about hacking Facebook data. Oh. The hack. Yeah. And I was like, I feel ready. I feel ready. I'm yeah, because I like I like knowing what I'm getting into, even if it's <laughs> fucked up. Like, I just like to know information. That's kind yeah. of my thing. Like, you know, the, the worst thing is like, oh, what's happening? But if I know what's happening, I can get involved. Yeah, in.
0: dive
1: in. Yeah, just dive in. But no, I... Um,
0: so if they want to get tickets to your show, it's... They go
1: to Sticky Tickets.
0: Sticky Tickets yeah. at Briz Funny Fest. if they could just Google any of
1: yeah, that. Yeah, Fest. Oliver Twist. The show is called Love. It's, it's very... There's a complimentary show to it that I was talking about earlier called Fear, and that's the play. And they're sort of companion pieces oh, cool. that I wrote together at the same time. One is very entertaining and very funny. One is very informative and quite, um, not intense, but you know, it's, it's not as funny. I'll put it that way. Yeah. More real. Not more real. They, they, they're all real to me, but like the line is, how do I put it? The line is like, I just want people, even, even my comedy now, it's gone to a place where I'm like, okay, if I am going to get to the joke, I will say this first Mm. where you really resonate with it. So, uh, there's less jokes. In yep. the play, to say the least. There's literally... There's a couple of jokes, but there's less jokes.
0: All right. Yeah. Oh, fucking good shit, man. Thank you so much
1: for Oh, thanks for having me. me. This is lovely. There's a Christo in here, people, yeah. that... Uh, it's, been, it's been guiding me. I'm feeling good. <laughs> it's, it's good spirits. <laughs> good. <laughs> Hello
0: again. So that was Oliver Twist. Uh, again, if you'd like to see him perform comedy... You can do that this very Thursday at Hey ya Bar in Brisbane, the 21st of August. Uh, and you can get tickets for that at stickytickets.com.au. Look for Oliver Twist. And uh, the banner for this is Briz Funny Fest. It's the Brisbane Funny Fest. If you uh, would like to go and see any more comedy for the next few weeks, there's a whole bunch of great shows going on. Um, yeah thank you so much for listening as always if you'd like to contribute to this podcast or help this podcast out you can do that by just following my social media pages Lorna Bremner or uh, supporting me at patreon.com slash Lorna Bremner I'll be back again next week with another wonderful episode for you and thank you as always for listening